Thank you. Be seated, please. Well, I see that our VBS is set up on the platform here. Kind of makes me hungry, doesn't it? You pizza, a bakery, Italian food. Looks pretty good. It's going to be a great week for our boys and girls. Let's remember to pray for them and for our teachers and workers through the week. Well, tonight we're going to open our Bibles to the book of Psalms again, some of our summer psalms. And tonight, Psalms 42 and 43, we're going to look at two psalms because actually these two fit together. Probably, originally, they were one psalm. In fact, some translations even unite them today. There are three stanzas to the psalms, and those will be obvious as we read them. They're almost identical, verses 5 and 11 of Psalm 42 and verse 5 of Psalm 43. We do not know who the psalmist is that writes of his sad circumstances, but because of his circumstances, he is struggling with depression or discouragement. Do you ever do that? Yeah, we all do. That's part of life, isn't it? It's not a sin to be depressed. That's a normal response of the human emotions to certain situations. Here we find a psalmist who is depressed. And I'm glad he was. I mean, I'm not happy for the sadness he experienced, but I'm glad that he was depressed. And I'm glad that God, by the Holy Spirit, led him to write about his feelings because that helps me and it helps you. By the way, do you ever write about your feelings? Do you ever find yourself in a particular mood and sit down and write a page or a paragraph about that? It's a good thing to do. It helps get feelings out. And you may find that you start the paragraph with one kind of feeling, and by the time you're done, you have a whole different one. Notice what this psalmist says. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with a voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. And here's the refrain. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Stanza number two. O my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore I remember thee from the land of the Jordan. Now we begin to understand a little bit more about his circumstances. We see that he is not in Jerusalem. He is in the land of the Jordan at the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mizar. We don't know where the latter mount is. It may be part of Hermon. Hermon is a huge mountain, 20 miles long is the ridge of it. Miser may be a peak along the ridge. Hermon is located 40 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. 
From the Sea of Galilee, you can look to the north and see its peaks. And in the wintertime, and in fact most of the year, there's snow on the top of Mount Hermon. Today it is the ski resort for Israel. <clears throat> People from Jerusalem and Tel Aviv along the coast, the populated areas on the weekends of the winter, often go north. And uh, they turn inland after they've gotten past the West Bank area, follow the highway down through the Valley of Jezreel, which is the Valley of Armageddon. And uh, they either turn toward the Sea of Galilee, where they can enjoy some warm weather, not exactly tropical, but a lot warmer than uh, some other parts of the mountainous region of Israel. Or they turn the other direction and they go to Mount Hermon, where they can ski. And what do you suppose is located right there at that crossroads? The only McDonald's in all of Israel. The only McDonald's in all of Israel is right there. <clears throat> well, this psalmist is apparently in the area of Mount Hermon. Uh, perhaps he had been taken prisoner by some group that had come through, some king or nation had invaded the land, and he was among those taken away. He says, Deep calls to deep at the sound of thy waterfalls. All thy breakers and thy waves have rolled over me. On the slopes of Mount Hermon, you have little rivulets, little streams that carry away the snow as it melts. And those streams gather together and ultimately become the Jordan River. And so when he talks here about the waterfalls and the breakers and the waves, he's listening to the, the sound of the, the, these streams. He's watching them gather together for the Jordan as it begins its southward journey toward the Dead Sea. He says, The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and his song will be with me in the night a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Second time there's that question asked. Do you see that? So apparently these people who had taken him captive were taunting him with that question. And it was like somebody breaking a bone in his body as they taunted him, well, where is your God? You see, whatever nation this may have been, it was a pagan nation. They had their gods. They were seated uh, on pedestals or placed in temples. They were made out of wood and stone, and they prayed to them. They bowed down to them. And these pagans say to this Israelite who worships uh, the true God, who's a monotheist, who does not believe in making carved images in the likeness of God, they say to this Israelite, where is your God? They want to know where he is. And so then he repeats his refrain, verse 11. <clears throat> then moving into Psalm 43, we have stanza 3. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my case against an ungodly nation. 
O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. For thou art the God of my strength. Why hast thou rejected me? Do you ever feel that way? Again, he states that his feelings say, God has turned his back on me. Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to thy holy hill and to thy dwelling places. The word dwelling here means to thy residence. You see, the gods of the pagans had their residences. They were here and there at these different hills and high places and temples. But he says, Lord, bring me to your residence, to your dwelling place. Now, where was that? Where was the Lord pleased to dwell? In Jerusalem, where he could not go. But that's where he wants to go. He says, then I will go to the altar of God. That's where the altar is, of course, at the temple in Jerusalem. To God, my exceeding joy, and upon the lyre, I shall praise thee, O God, my God. And once again the refrain, Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. What we have in these psalms is an inner conversation of the psalmist with his own spirit. Do you ever talk to yourself? Do you know we all do all day long? And not only that, we answer ourselves. Now they say it's okay if you talk to yourself, just don't answer yourself. The thing is we all do both all day long. There is a running conversation going on in our heads all the time. And uh, it's wise for us to pick up on that because we tell ourselves some very stupid things sometimes, don't we? We really do. We give ourselves some lousy advice. We say some nasty things to ourselves, not even realizing that we're doing it. And so the psalmist is writing down his conversation inside here for us to learn what to do when we get depressed or discouraged. <clears throat> And I believe that we have the answer to that in three lessons that we see in the refrain, verses 5 and 11, and then again in verse 5 of Psalm 43. When you and I are depressed, the first thing we need to do is to inquire the reasons. Isn't that what he does? He says, why? Why? Why are you in despair, soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Do you ever ask yourself, why do I feel this way? Sometimes we just live in the pits without ever asking that question. We need to ask that question. Why am I feeling this way? Now, there could be a hundred reasons why. You may be distressed, depressed, discouraged because you're tired. Physical fatigue can cause it. You may have worn yourself out serving the Lord. You may have an enemy that's attacking you, as the psalmist did. There could be lots of reasons, but you need to start by asking the reasons why. And uh, as he asks that question, he seems to come up with three answers for himself. In the first place, he is distressed. He is in despair because 
God seemed far away to him. He sees himself like a deer who is in the wilderness searching for water, desperately thirsty, but can't find it. Panting, the tongue hanging out, and yet can't find God. He says, when shall I come and appear before God? And he says in verse 6, My God, my soul is in despair within me. I remember thee from the land of Jordan. He wants the presence of the Lord. And to his Jewish thinking, the presence of the Lord was in Jerusalem at the temple, the place the Lord had ordered for his dwelling place. But God seemed far removed from him. Does God ever seem far away from you? He does to me from time to time. And he does to all of us. And as he asks the reason why, there's a second answer, I think, in verse 4. He is in despair because he is longing for the past. Here he is up all these miles away from Jerusalem, and all he can do is remember. Now, I'm not going to point my finger at him because I tend to be melancholy too. But he looked to the past. He said, these things I remember and I pour out my soul within me. To pour out means to pour out like a libation, like a sacrifice. He sees his innards just turned upside down and his, his very being just being poured out in his memories. These things I remember, literally that Hebrew word means to pierce <clears throat> and then to impress upon something like your mind, your memory. Sometimes memories are like that, aren't they? They just hang on. It's like they have a hook on them, they poke a hole in your mind, and they just hang there. And sometimes that's all right, and sometimes it's not all right, because the memories hurt, and they bring on depression. He says, I remember I used to go along with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God. He's thinking back to earlier times when he would be among the worshipers going up to the Temple Mount to worship God. And he sang with joy and thanksgiving. He was one of the multitude going to a festival of Israel. That's his memory. And he can't do that now. And he's depressed. You know, that's one of the things that older people face. Longing for past events. When this or that used to be done that brought a lot of joy, and they can't do that anymore. Shut-ins face this when they think on Sunday morning, boy, I used to be able to go to church. I used to sing in the choir. I used to teach Sunday school. I used to be there every week. And now they can't be there at all. And that memory, as as wonderful as it is of good days, now haunts them. And it could be that in the loss of a loved one, you've experienced the same thing. And you look back to those happy years when there was companionship. And there was shared love and dreams. And now that's gone. And as wonderful as those memories are, they hang on and bring depression. 
Well, now you see what this man's going through. He was inquiring as to the reasons now why his soul is in despair. And the first thing he says to himself is, God seems far away from me. I can't seem to find God right now. I'm searching for him like a deer out in the wilderness searches for water. But I can't find God. God's far away. And secondly, he says, I I think of the past. I think of the good old days. And third, in answer to the question why, we find that he listened to the wrong talk. He says in verse 3, My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? And again in verse 10, As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? You notice he says several times here, all day long, day and night. Life is, life is dreary for this fellow. And one of the things that he hears all day long is this question, where is God? Where is God in all of this? And he listened to it. And you know, when you and I listen to the wrong talk from other people, that can bring us to discouragement. There are some people who have the spiritual gift of discouragement. Did you know that? And they go around just sharing it everywhere they go. And when you see them coming, you turn around and you walk the other way. But this fellow couldn't do that. And people were saying to him, taunting him, teasing him, Where's God? Where's your God? And of course it brought him to depression because he allowed that question to settle on his heart and his mind. So when you and I are facing depression, which we all do from time to time, and sometimes it's for an hour or a few hours and sometimes for a few days and sometimes for longer. But when we're facing depression, we, we can approach the answer to it by first of all asking this question, why? Why am I feeling this way? Now secondly, we notice that the psalmist initiated a response. He says to himself, hope in God. He preaches himself a three-point sermon. Hope, point number one. In, point number two. God, point number three. Hope in God. Why hope in God? Well, first of all, he tells himself, in essence, God is not far away, but he's present. Now, God seemed to be far away to him. He wondered when in the world he and God would get together. But as he tells himself hope in God, he reminds himself that God, in fact, is not far away. He is present with him. He says that, hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his presence. God is there. Turn to Psalm 115, where we have a similar question asked by another anonymous psalmist. Psalm 115. The context is similar because the, the psalmist here is struggling with the same question in the, and comparing or contrasting his own situation with idolaters. He starts out with praise to God. And then he says in verse 2, this is Psalm 115, Why should the nations say, Where now is their God? 
You see the same question? Where is God? And so he answers it. He says, our God is in the heavens. That's where he is. Quite unlike the gods of silver and gold that are work of man's hand, who have mouths that cannot speak, eyes that cannot see, ears that cannot hear, noses that cannot smell, hands that cannot feel, feet that cannot walk, and they can't make a sound from their throat. Look at the impotence of the gods of the nations. Where are their gods? Well, sitting over here. Oh, and there's one over there about half finished. And in answer to the question to him, he says, Our God, the God of Israel, is in the heavens. And he says, He does whatever He pleases. He's not only in the heavens, He rules in the heavens. He's sovereign in the heavens. And if my circumstances are pleasant for the moment, or if my circumstances are difficult for the moment, he does what he pleases. He's still in heaven. That's where he is. And then in verse 9 he says, O Israel, trust in the Lord, for he is their help and their shield. Same words, verse 10. He is their help and their shield. Verse 11. He is their help and their shield. There's both an offense and a defense here. God is their help. That is their support. God takes the offense with his people. He is there on their behalf to help them. And God takes the defense on their behalf too because he is their shield. He puts up the shield to protect them. So he provides and he protects. And therefore he says, Israel, and he says to you and to me tonight, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. Verse 11. Now verse 12. The Lord has been mindful of us. That's good to remember. Because there are times our feelings say, God's forgotten me. Somewhere I fell in between the cracks with God. I must not be as important as some others because God doesn't care. God doesn't know. God isn't here. And the psalmist reminds us that the Lord has been mindful of us. And he will bless, he will bless, he will bless, he will bless. See that? And so the time that the uh, psalmist in Psalms 42 and 43 writes about are not uncommon times. And as he remembers that God is not far away but present, so did other psalmists, and so do we need to remember that. Now going back again to our original psalm, the second thing that we see in this response, hope in God, is the psalmist's confidence that God is greater than his feelings. God is greater than his feelings. Notice that he says, verse 3, My tears have been my food day and night. What do you do with food? You eat it. You absorb it. You take it in. And what he says here is that his emotions is what he's been living on. It's what he confesses. He's been living on his emotions. 
My tears have been what I've been eating day and night. You know, when you and I eat our emotions, it's going to result in this kind of a problem. And what the psalmist remembers here is that there's something better to feed on than our emotions. It's found over in verse 3 of the next psalm. Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to thy holy hill and to thy dwelling place. You and I can either feed on our feelings or we can feed upon the light and the truth of God. God is greater than our feelings. We need to remember that. Even though at the moment it's tough to overrule our feelings, we need to remember consciously that God is greater than the feelings that we have. And we need to feed on his word so that we are kept aware of that truth. Now when he says hope in God, there's another confidence that he has, and that is that God demonstrates his involvement. God has a way of demonstrating his involvement. In verse 8 he says, The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and his song will be with me in the night. The word command here means to order or to delegate. He says, God is going to delegate to me his grace, his loving kindness. He's going to remember his covenant with me in the daytime, even when I feel like I do. And he says, his song will be with me in the night. He's not saying here a song that God is singing to him. He's talking about a song of response in his own life to God. He says, this song is a prayer to the God of my life. His song will be with me in the night. Turn over to Psalm 63 for a minute. Where we have a parallel verse. Psalm 63, verse 6. When I remember thee on my bed, I meditate on thee in the night watches. For thou hast been my help, and in the shadow of thy wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to thee, thy right hand upholds me. Three good verses to memorize. Do you have trouble sleeping because of your anxieties? Does sleep come hard because of depression or memories of the past? Days that you long for that that cannot come again? Well, the psalmist says here that God gives us his grace in the daytime, and in response at night, we can sing to the Lord. We can sing praise to him. God demonstrates his involvement on our behalf. And he reminds us here in this psalm that our circumstances, our circumstances are really God's breakers and God's waves. He says that in verse 7. Deep calls to deep. Now, he probably has in mind here the depths of waters that are like answering to one another. Here's a waterfall and there's a waterfall and the, the noise that they're making, the roaring is like an antiphonal chorus. They sing to one another, deep calls to deep. But poetically, he may have something else in mind. He may be talking about the depths of our spirit, calling out to the depths of God. Or it could be an expression that talks about the depths of our souls, 
calling out to other depths within us. The kind of deep meditation that we, we experience. And he says that this happens, this, this deep reaching down and reaching up to God, this happens at the sound of thy waterfalls when your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. Notice whose breakers and waves and waterfalls they are. They're God's. It's good for us to remember that God's in charge of them. When he says that they have rolled over him, he pictures a stationary object that stands firm while something rolls over him. Kind of reminds me of being in the ocean. Do you like to swim in the ocean? With all of those creatures that are below the water you can't see? The sharks floating around, swimming? I enjoy the ocean anyway. And it's fun to be out there where, you know, it's this deep somewhere, and you're just standing there doing the best you can to stand, and the waves just come, and they pick you up, and they set you down. They pick you up and set you down. That's fun, isn't it? But he's not talking here about recreational waves, okay? He's talking about waves of trial, waves of heartache, waterfalls of difficulty. And he says, all of them originate from God's hand to me. God is demonstrating to this psalmist his involvement in his life, and he's seeing that. His feelings haven't caught up with it, but he's beginning to see it. And so the first thing he does is to inquire as to the reasons for his depression. He says, why am I experiencing this? Then he initiates a response from his heart. And that response is hope in God. And the final thing that he does is to start his recovery. He says, I shall again praise him. You notice the determination of his heart, the set of his will. He says, I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. The reason he's able to, well, let me say first of all, that we begin to recover from depression when we learn to praise the Lord, just as we heard sung earlier tonight. Songs begin to bring us out of depression. One of the greatest things that you and I can do when we're feeling low is to to go to the tape player, to the CD player, and put on some good music. For me, that's the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir for one mood. Or it's Bill Gaither and his friends if I'm in another mood. There's all kinds of music And then there's the kind of music that originates within our own souls. And we sing to God. And when we can begin praising the Lord, we begin our recovery. And what he tells himself here is that his circumstances will pass. They're not permanent. He says, I shall again praise the Lord. He recognizes, though he's in the depths of the pit right now, that he's going to be lifted out of the pit. He's going to be happy again. He's going to praise the Lord again. And he's going to praise the Lord because the Lord is his Savior. This is interesting. I discovered this this week. He says, I will praise him for the help of his presence. 
The word praise here is the word yada in the Hebrew. That's Y-A-D-A-H. And it means to use the hand to throw something. But then it came to mean to lift the hand to confess sin to God or to lift your hand in praise to the Lord like some of us are doing. This name Yada is where we get the name Judah, the tribe from which our Lord descended. It is the tribe of praise. He says, I will praise him for the help of his presence. And this word help literally means victory or deliverance. And it is the Hebrew word Yeshua. Does anybody recognize that? If you've been around any Messianic Christians, you immediately recognize the name Jesus. Yeshua or Joshua or Yahashua is the name Deliverer or Savior. And so we have here the tribal name for Jesus' earthly ancestry, Judah, praise, and we have his name, the name Yeshua, Jesus, the Savior. And so what he does is he says, I'm going to start my recovery by recognizing that my circumstances are temporary and I am going to choose by an act of my will to begin praising the Savior because he is going to deliver me. My victory, my help will come from his presence in my life. And so I believe in this psalm or these two psalms combined, we have something of an answer for depression. It's something for you to tuck away in your own heart, maybe to share with someone who's going through the valley right now. I'd like for us to sing together in closing a hymn that comes out of a verse that I read earlier from another psalm. It's hymn 356. And it says, Under his wings I am safely abiding. It's a wonderful hymn of assurance and trust in God's presence and care in our lives. I invite you to sing along as we turn to 356. Do you want to lead us? Do you know this song? You'll learn it? No, I'll just lead it. I know it. That's fine. Let's stand together as we sing. 356. How many of the rest of you know it already? Oh, we've got some teaching to do. That's great. Let's sing it. Under his wings I am safely abiding Though the night deepens and tempests are wild Still I can trust him I know he will keep me He is my me and I am his child Under his wings, under his wings Who from his love can sever Under his wings my soul shall abide Safely abide forever. Listen again to these words. For thou hast been my help, 
and in the shadow of thy wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to thee, thy right hand upholds me. Let's sing verse 3. Under his wings, oh, what precious enjoyment. There will I hide till life's trials are o'er. Sheltered, protected, no evil can harm me. Thus I'm safe evermore. Under his wings, under his wings, who from his love can sever? Under his wings my soul shall abide, safely abide forever. And of course, that language reminds us of the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant with their wings stretched out over the mercy seat of God. And what he's saying is that there, underneath those wings, at the mercy seat of God, where God dwells, where God hears me, where God is satisfied, where God receives me, under his wings, I may safely abide. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that whatever the emotional condition we may be in might be, that you're there with us. And though others may say, even to us, where is your God? And we may ask ourselves the same question within. Why have you forsaken me? That it doesn't change the fact, the truth, that you are the help, the Savior of our souls by your presence with us. Thank you for the invitation to rest under the shadow of your wings and to know there the calm protection from life's storms. Help us this week, I pray, to walk under the shadow of those wings and with a conscious awareness that you're with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good night. May we be respectful of it, realizing that it's your masterpiece. And with all of its work yet to be done, you're still at work on it. And thank you that you're patient in our lives. May we go away from here today determined that by your grace, that wherever our priorities, our thinking, our attitudes need to be adjusted, we're going to do that because of the place that you've given the church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And we are dismissed.